It's a blessing, man. I like being in church. I don't know about y'all, but I don't, I don't mind just sitting down and listening to something. Take your Bibles go to Luke. Luke chapter 11. I like Luke. Luke. Luke hung out with Paul to the very end. I mean, he just didn't leave. He just hung in there. So Luke has an insight that uh, a lot of people don't have. He, he wrote early. Luke, Luke 11, 29. Go back to 27. It says, and it came to pass, Jesus is sitting here talking, and he's, he's talking to a bunch of people, and, and uh, he does get a little irate sometimes, but he says, uh, and it came to pass, as he uh, spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and, and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps that, which gave thou hast sucked. Uh, but he said, Yea, rather blessed are they uh, that hear the word of God and keep it. Then he goes right into this. And when the people were gathered to get, uh, thick together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. Isn't that something nice to say to a group of people you get together? You bunch of wicked devils. He said, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign and there shall uh, no sign be given it, but the sign of Jonas the prophet. For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the son of man be to this generation. The queen of the south shall rise up uh, in the judgment with the men of, the, of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the, the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment uh, with this generation and shall condemn it, for, for they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. No man, when he had lit a candle, putteth it in a secret place. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, I just pray now that you would uh, give me uh, just clarity of thought uh, so I can go through this message this morning. It'll be a short one. won't be long. But, Lord, it's such an important thing. You mentioned it back here, Lord, and you said that, that uh, the men of this generation, Lord, that the, the, the lessons of Jonah is, is a lesson that we need to learn. Father, again, thank you for your blessings this morning. Bless the service, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I always like the story of Jonah because it just shows the magnitude of God, what God can do. Uh, God can do anything. Jonah, uh, Jesus is sitting here talking. He's talking to a bunch of people. If you go back to the very first part of the, ch the chapter there, Jesus, he, his doctrine of prayer, his disciples ask him, teach him to pray. And they, they, he teaches them how to pray. And then uh, he, he talks about a friend that comes up in the middle of the night. And, and sometimes as Christians, you know, you, uh, people irritate us. I don't know about you, but I get irritated from time to time. And people come and say, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Yeah, here, let me stop what I'm doing and I'll come and help you do what you're doing. Uh, but, but why don't you come stop what you're doing and come help me do what I'm doing? And, uh, and that's just normal. That's human nature. Uh, that's, it's okay to do that. What you need to do is still stop what you're doing and help me. Uh, help me, help me, help me. Uh, that, and then we're, we're still friends. But he sits there and this guy comes in the middle of the night. I woke up. I was, I was up at, uh, I got up at 3 o'clock this morning starting my messages and Sunday school lessons and everything else. And about 5, 5.15, my phone rings. It's my mom. Did I tell you that? Oh, so you hear the first time. She hears the first. She says you hear something new. My messages all the time, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, <laughs> my mom's in the nursing room. I want to call her at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'll put it off to the side. In about two or three minutes, I get under conviction, so I call her. She goes, "I didn't call you." I said, "Yes, you did." She goes, "Oh, I must hit the wrong button." <laughs> I'm like. What a wrong call at 5 o'clock in the morning. What if I was asleep, man? Would you even care? And uh, she goes, oh, no, I had to get up and do this, do that, do this. And they're working them down the hall. They won't let me get no sleep anyway. So it don't matter. I guess she's trying to keep me up. 
But you know what? You, you sit there, and, and we do, do get irritated. And, and here's this guy. He gets irritated. And you know what he did? He still got up. You know what he did? He did the right thing. I like that parable where the Lord said he had two sons. man had two sons. And he told them both to go out and work in the field. And one said he wouldn't. And then he goes. The other one said, I would. A little liar. Never goes. He said, which of the two did my will? And he said, the one that went. He goes, you're absolutely right. You don't always have to be happy about serving Jesus Christ. It is a good thing to be happy. But sometimes doing the right thing is going to cost you no matter what you do. Uh, then he goes in the parable of the fatherhood there, and then he, he gets into a cover, a cover, uh, the worthless lesson of self-reformation. You get into that. And then, then he gets into the sign of Jonah. And he tells him, he said, that this sign of Jonah, uh, he said, these men in Nineveh are going to one day rise up in judgment against you guys because they were wicked as the devil. Now, Nineveh, Nineveh is a strange place. The service Jonah was called to wasn't the funnest thing in the whole wide world. The Lord, but, but Jonah had probably never realized 900 years later the Lord was going to use him in the New Testament. Jonah probably never had an idea, and sometimes we don't have that idea either. We think that what we're going through in life is just what's affecting us right now, and you don't know what God's going to do with that somewhere down the road if you just do what he's... Jonah wasn't the perfect prophet out there to do the right job, but he did do it after some coaxing along. The city of the people that, that he, he was going to go to were some of the most wicked people on this planet. Man, I seen one of our senators, uh, she didn't get the nomination, which I'm glad because of her choice in what she is. Uh, but anyway, she, uh, she's out there complaining. Uh, I'm sitting there going, Lord, our, our world is the same way. You take New York City, you take, I looked at some of the Chicago, uh, San Francisco, L.A., uh, San Diego. I don't care where you go, Atlanta. Uh, you can go just about anywhere. There's a wicked bunch of cities, man, when you get down into the cities. You get overseas into some of those cities, just wicked as they could be. Uh, Nineveh was that way, and Jonah didn't want to go. He didn't want nothing to do with it. He hated them people. Uh, Nineveh was one of the, uh, this city rivaled, it rivaled Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, it was right there with Sodom and Gomorrah. There was uh, cities in the plain down there that Abraham, God wiped out all of those cities, and here is uh, Jonah is sitting here, and the Lord's telling him to go to Nineveh, and Nineveh is worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. And yet he tells him to go to him, and, and you know what the Lord really wants? He wants to reach everybody. He's trying. He's trying to reach whoever he can reach. The problem is that some of us just won't go to reach those people. Uh, they went to jail this morning. Sometimes they go, how many people do I have in jail this morning? Five? That's good. Sometimes they go, and there's just one. Would you go for one? The Lord would. Yeah, I've been where there was none. You know what? The Lord just tells you to go. Man, I've, I've done stuff. I went street preach. I remember going to street preach one time. Everybody wanted me to take them street preach. I had the trailer. I had the car. I had the house. I had everything. I don't know why sailors got all this money and they don't have cars or nothing else. Why do I have to always do this? So I, I, I'm sitting there trying to find out any way to get out of this. I did not want to go. I did not want to go. You say, oh, well, you a wicked devil. No, I just didn't want to go street preaching. I'm sure that everybody in here just loves to go out passing tracks out and winning and witnessing and everything else. Have you ever got to a place where you just didn't want to? But you're the only one. And I'm like, Lord, if I don't take them, they won't go. If they don't go, you're going to blame me. And it's like the Holy Spirit saying, yep. I said, okay. So all the way down there, I'm praying. Oh, God, let it rain. Oh, God, let it rain. That's super spiritual on my part, wasn't it? It's like him being in, in, in uh, Chick-fil-A, man. I tell you what. I mean, I'm, I, you have not because you ask not. 
So I'm crying, oh God, oh God, let it rain. And it starts raining. I mean, it rains, boy, down in Virginia Beach. When it rains, it rains. I'm praising God, man. Oh, yes, yeah, raining. I parked the car, my van. I got a, a handicap, not a handicap van. It should have been a handicap van. <laughs> Sailors are handicapped. They need problems. It's uh, one of the uh, vans, like I got the Dodge Caravans. And, and I parked the thing, and it's pouring down, raining. And uh, all the guys in that car, there's like six of them, they're all in agreement. Yep, it's raining, man. We can't street preach. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. We go right over there underneath. I'm like, ooh. And, then, and we go over there, man. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, all right, it's too late, man. They already got me out here, and I'm starting street preaching. And, the, and the, the way the road is, it comes down like this, and we're up on, and we're dry as a bone, man. I mean, there's no, we're not getting wet at all. And this car comes by there and hits it and just splashes me all over the place. And I get all soaking wet. And it was like the Holy Spirit saying, uh, what? What about the rain? You asked for rain. I gave you rain. Now what do you want? You want to be dry? Is that what you want? I'm like, man, I said, Lord, you know what? Some of these people you just don't want to go to sometime. People down in Virginia Beach, uh, one, I remember I was down the street preaching one time, and there's a lady down there who's a witch. Uh, I mean, she was a witch, witch, witch. I, I, you know how I know she's a witch? Because I was with two Puerto Ricans. Them guys know what witches are. I mean, they're freaking out, man, both of them. I'm like, what's wrong, man? I, I'm too stupid. I'm from Hillbilly. I'm from Kentucky, man. We don't, we don't run around with chickens and cast curses on people. We eat the chicken. You know what I mean? That's what we do with the chickens we get. Uh, <laughs> We eat groundhogs. They eat groundhogs. They eat anything that moves. And once it stops moving, they'll, they'll eat it. But, but I'm sitting here going, I'm looking at these two Puerto Rican guys, and they're all freaking out. And I'm like, what is wrong? She's cursing us, man. I'm like, what? I said, she can't curse me. I said, I'm saved. How can she possibly curse me? And she comes out there, and she says this thing. And really, it's, it goes off on this thing where it's, 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 it's about a minute long, and she starts this thing and runs through it. It's like she's had to memorize it. She probably... In the Mennonites or something, not Mennonites, she's probably with the, the uh, what is that one group, the uh, uh, Masons. Yeah, she's probably a Mason or she's one of them guys, Mormon or something, because she memorized this thing. It's like, Lord, teach us to pray. And here's this, here's this request. And then she starts it over and she just keeps saying the thing over and over and over again. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, she gets right up to me and I say, hey, woman. She goes, what? I said, Jesus loves you. He died for you. And she gives me this thing. I'm like, yeah, but he still loves you. He still died for you. And, and she starts doing this. All, and then pretty soon she gets mad, turns around, walks about 10 steps away, turns back around, starts doing this to me. I said, he loves you. He died for you. He shed his blood at Calvary for you. So you and she runs off in the crowd, never see her ever again. These two guys thought I was like some great preacher. I'm like, no, I'm just too stupid to be afraid. Why would I be afraid of that, man? I mean, she's a little old lady unless she's got a gun or something, AK-47. I mean, I don't have nothing to worry about her. But you know, some people, I'm telling you, brother, sometimes I never wanted to go down street preaching all the time. I never did, man. I'd go down there and say, Lord, I'm tired of seeing what I see down here. He said, I never told you to look at the stuff you see down here. I just told you to come down here and street preach. I'm like, what do you do? I mean, the whole thing is full of naked people all over the place. Guys just as bad as girls. And I'm not looking at no guys, so you don't have to worry about that. But, but it's bad. The whole thing's bad. And I was down there one day, and I said, Lord, I'm, I'm looking for any reason to quit. And Lord said, see that building up here? It's a 15-story building. I said, yeah. He goes, pick you out a spot way up on top of that building somewhere and just preach at the building. They'll still hear you. And you know why I did that? And then after, man, about six weeks of doing that, when I brought my head back down, I started looking at those people, and you see their face. You see the sin on those faces. And then you start seeing that there's no hope for them and there's nothing there for them. And if somebody doesn't come out and tell them about Jesus Christ and how they can get saved, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. 
Somebody's got to do it. I remember these big, four big old black guys, man. These guys, they had to be football players. This is during Greek Fest down there. And these guys made me look like a shrimp, man. I mean, I'm sitting there looking at these guys like that. They look like, they look like uh, oh, Goliath and his brothers, man. I mean, this guy was huge, man. I mean, all four of them. And I, I'm sitting there with these gospel tracks, and, and I'm, the Holy Spirit's saying, go over and give me a track. I'm like, you got to be crazy, man. I need stilts or something just to get it in their hand. And I'm, I'm thinking, man, I said, what am I going to do? And this thought in my mind says, go to the biggest one. I mean, if you're going to get killed, just get killed quick. So I go right up and said, hey, can I give you a gospel track, tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ? And that guy said, yeah, man, I'll take one. And his three friends took one. They walked away. I'm like, whoa, check that out, man. I preached to trash cans down there full of gospel tracks. We'd pass gospel tracks out thousands. And the trash cans, are, at least they're clean people, man. They throw them all away. But you'd go and say, oh, trash can, you're going to be in heaven one day. And you're going to be judging all these people that threw those tracks down through there. You say, you really believe that? Yeah, I believe God's going to have a place in heaven for tracks that never were read. And they'll be up there for a little bit before he casts them out. But they'll be there, man. Or the, their looks will be there. But you, you know what? You sit there and you, you see people. And, and he, told, he told him, he said, the men in Nineveh. There was something about those men in Nineveh that the Lord saw that there was a chance. He didn't just get one out of the... the 120,000 of those people God was looking at. He says that over in chapter 4. He says, there's, uh, uh, go to chapter 4, Jonah chapter 4. Let's go, let's move over to Jonah for just a second. Jonah. He said, the last verse in there, he's talking to Jonah, and Jonah's still mad. You would think he'd be mad, happy as he could be, man. 120,000 people just got saved. Got, they got right. Uh, and should not I spare God talking to him, Nineveh? That great city wherein more than six score thousand, that's 120,000 persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle. You know, the cattle got right. Everything in that city got right. Cats, and I don't know about the cats. I'm not too, much, too fond of cats, but cats, I mean, they could, I guess. Chapter 1. The city of Nineveh, he sits there at verse 1, he says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, rise, go to the Nineveh, that great city. It wasn't just a little city. It's a great city. That's God talking. In God's eyes, he's saying, that's a great city on this planet. That's a great city. There's a reason why I want this city. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. I, I put a little note here. I said, when God said the wickedness of Nineveh, that was an understatement. He's having grace with those people. Those are some of the wickedest people that ever were on this planet. They did some things that you just wouldn't. They used to skin when they, uh, uh, Sennacherib was part of this group. When they went out and got people, they did some wicked things, man. Well, the Jews did some wicked things too. They skinned people alive. They capture a city. They would skin them alive. This is all recorded back here. Go read Josephus. All, they'd skin them alive and then lay them out in the sun and let them die out there in the sun. They'd rip their tongues out. You think the Catholic Church, Catholic Church did that kind of stuff in the Inquisitions. Where do you think they got it from? I mean, that isn't something that you find in your Bible. They skin people. They decap uh, decapitation. They mutilate them, ripping out their tongues. Make, they, they cut their heads off and make pyramids outside. Hey, the Jews did that same thing. Man. It's, a, it's a wicked bunch of people back then. And when God looked down and told Jonah to go to these people, Jonah said, look, man, Lord, do you know what kind of people these are? These are the people that come against us all the time. They would, they would pierce your chin right here. They'd put a 
a rope in you and drag you around with a, I mean, they were cruel. They didn't care. They'd put you in kennels like dogs. Man, I tell you, they just, they're just a wicked bunch of people. The records, the records from Assyria boast that this, was, this wasn't cruelty. This was powerful. This showed you how to have power. They thought they could get something from him. The disobeying disciple, he refused to do it. He just didn't want to do it. Sometimes when the Lord, and the Lord says, I'm going to use, he said, the men of Nineveh. Do you know what God has to do to get some people to turn around? And what is really strange is he has to do it to us, to get us to do something to help somebody else turn around. This is a, this is a gospel message this morning, by the way. You know what you need today? You need Jesus. And the hardest thing that you'll ever do in life is get Jesus to somebody else. It is tough. It takes time. I was out on those ships, and I'd, I'd be on uh, the Scott. I was out there for three years, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, three of them in right in a row, and nobody got saved. Now, they got saved right after that, and I didn't know what I was doing, so I had to learn some things. You have to learn some things, by the way. You, have, you know, I had, when Scott Flood got saved and Burris, Ron Burris, uh, Pastor Ron Burris, uh, led him to the Lord. I got Scott. Scott was just a baby Christian, man. He didn't know nothing. He couldn't even hold a Bible in his hand. And I said, Scott, why didn't you ever get saved while I was on that ship? Because you never asked me. <laughs> I'm like, what a doofus head, man. <laughs> Have you ever felt totally stupid? I'm teaching class on Thursday night behind Joe, and I brought in the Romans Road. It's a simple little thing. It tells you, uh, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You know, it's a simple thing. You can ask somebody if they're saved, but you got to get them down the bottom and you got to set the hook. I never did that. You know what God wants to do? He wants to set the hook. You know what he's always trying to do? He's trying to win them. And a lot of them just won't. He had Noah's Ark sitting there. And you'll hear me a lot of times say, well, eight people got on it. The rest of the world died. But that door was open for anybody. Anybody, for all, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's anybody, anybody could have got, can get into this thing. Anybody. But you know what the thing is? You got to get it to them. The Ninevites were in a very, very peculiar place in life, probably normal to the rest of the world. I look at our world, our world is messed up. I mean, when they got a, a homosexual senator that says she's a Republican sitting on a committee to hang a president that you, when you look at him, you say, what in the world are you even after him for? And then all the Republicans are going, something is wrong there. Somebody's controlling this thing higher than them. Yeah, it isn't them doing it anymore. Somebody else is above them. I know who that somebody is. His name is called Lucifer. That's right. And if you think it's anybody else, you're wrong. This world is controlled and run by him. And for us to sit here in this world and try to reach into it and find those lost people and get the word of God to them is hard. Everything out there is against us. And here, then you got the man of God that's even against it. I have a hard time when God says, Mike, do this. I have a very hard time not doing that. If, I, if I'm 100% sure I know what the Lord says do, I'm going to do it with everything I got. I read this story right here. I don't understand this. Jonah, how could you go against God? But verse 17, he put a whole ship full of people in, in it. 117 says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish. Is it going to take a fish to get you to do what he wants? Is he going to have to do something to us to get us to do what he wants us to do? I mean, he will do it. He will do it. If that's what you want, he will do it. You just won't like what he did. In, in February 19 and 1891, now people say, oh, he, that God, he built a universe. What is it to make a fish? 
It's a well, by the way. But what is it to make a well? I mean, you would think it's a, it, but he can't do that. You can't live. He can bring you back to life. Who does he? He don't care. Why, we, when we sit there and we start putting human traits and, and frailties on God, we got a problem. He can do whatever. But if you want to do that, watch this. 18, 1891 in February, the star of the east was near the Falkland Islands off South America when a lookout spotted a, a large well. Has anybody ever heard the story? All right. Is, is anybody? You heard it? Okay. Uh, so it must be true. I, I looked it up and it says it's true. <laughs> yeah, he was there. <laughs> he was on one of these long boats. <laughs> I didn't know you were a sailor. I want to talk to you after church. Um, no. Two long boats were dropped and the hunt was on. I, I just hunting well, I just never thought much about that. Two harpoons, one from each uh, long boat, were sunk into the well and, and which fought hard. I would too. The well dived and uh, the harpoon, that, that just made no sense to me, man. You throw a rope and you shoot a well and a well could go down. I mean, he can go down to the bottom of the seas and you holding on to the rope. Just don't make no sense to me. Uh, but anyways, the well dived and the harpoons started to pull, uh, uh, harpooners started to pull the slack uh, line back out into their boats. And when the well resurfaced and started uh, to beat wildly with its tail, one of the longboats managed to get away. The other one wasn't so lucky, uh, was struck by the animal's nose and tipped over. And by the time the second longboat could uh, perform the, a rescue, one uh, man had drowned and was missing and presumed drowned. Within a few hours, the dead well was pulled alongside the Star of the East, and the crew uh, was busy cutting it up and retrieving the fat. The job took the rest of the day and a good part of the night, and then work resumed noon the next day. It was on the second day that something strange was discovered. As the stomach was freed and brought to the deck for rendering, it was seen that something bunched up, uh, was bunched up uh, within it, uh, was showing spasmatic signs of life. Uh, when the stomach was cut open, they discovered the missing sailor. James Bartley, and he gives his name, curled up, still alive, though just barely 36 hours after, uh, just barely 36 hours after he went missing. After he, he recovered his senses, which he did, uh, Bartley told how he remembered being thrown from the boat into the water and there was, uh, when he was engulfed by darkness and felt himself slipping along smooth passages that seemed to move and carry him forward. And he came to an area uh, with more room in it and was able to reach around uh, upon feeling, uh, feeling a yielding, slimy substance on the walls. He realized he had been swallowed. <laughs> Could you imagine laying inside of a whale's belly, man? Now you know how Jonah kind of felt. Uh, there was plenty of air, but it was terribly hot in the stomach because of the acid eating him up and, and the drain of his energy. Uh, that, uh, that and the horror of his eventful fate caused him to lose his mind, <laughs> and he passed out. The next thing he, re he was reasonably sure of was waking up in the captain's cabin. He was laid out on the deck and splashed with seawater. The well's gastric juices had bleached Bartley's face and his hands, uh, to a deathly white and wrinkled, uh, and wrinkled them. For two weeks, he was kept in the captain's. Nobody wanted to look at him. Uh, I think they should keep me probably in the captain's cap for one too. <laughs> Physically, he recovered fine, but mentally, he was unstable. But by the third week, uh, you can't swallow by a well. You won't feel too good either. Uh, by the third week, Bartley had fully recovered and resumed his duties. You know what, Jonah? Jonah gets 
he, he, and you go to chapter two and Jonah is sitting there and, uh, Jonah had to get right, man. I mean, he just had to get right. And, uh, getting right's a hard part in the whole, it, it's tough. It is tough. Uh, he had to go to college. I, I got it, the OBU. That's the Ocean Bottom University. Uh, what is it going to take? What is it going to take for the Lord to use you? You know, the Lord want to use Jonah, not just for the Ninevites, but down the road somewhere, he's going to use the Ninevites as a testimony against everybody else. Uh, title of this message, I'll just tell you, a testimony. A testimony to be remembered. God looked down at them Ninevites and said, those guys were a bunch of wicked devils. People say, well, I can't get saved. I heard people say that before. You don't know what I've done. Oh, you don't have to worry about it. I had an old lady tell me that one time. She, she was in a hospital, had two weeks to live, 80 years old, maybe 82, something like that. Mrs. Buffin, Jehovah's Witness. She said, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. I said, you are not. Yes, I am. I said, no, ma'am, you're not. I said, I've dealt with way too many Jehovah's Witnesses. You are not a Jehovah's Witness. Why am I not a Jehovah's Witness? I said, you take my gospel tracks and you let us come in here and sing Christmas carols to you. I said, I don't even like Christmas carols. I said, but you do. I don't even like Christmas. And you let us come in. I hate Christmas more than you do. I said, you're not no Jehovah's Witness. I said, you can't be. I said, these little kids come in here and preach at you and teach at you, and, and you allow that. The typical Jehovah's Witness would want that thing up my face and drop it on the ground. They wouldn't even take it. And she said, Mike, you don't know what I've done in 82 years. I said, Mrs. Buffett, don't matter what you've done. I said, I got a God that will forgive you no matter what. Amen. No matter what. And, and the key isn't, I said, the, the hard thing is the devil's got his trophies all around the walls, and they're all over the place, and and the Lord can at any time walk up and reach up there and grab one of these. I said, Mrs. Buffin, you're, you're a trophy up here. And I said, one of these days the Lord's going to take you and put you up there in heaven. And somebody's going to say, why did you let her in? Because she trusted me. But she did it at the very end. Yeah, but she still trusted me. Sometimes it takes a while to figure the thing out. And she goes, and sometimes you got to go through something. She had to go through cancer knowing she was going to die or whatever was wrong with her making her die. I don't, I don't know if I ever really knew why, why she died, but they knew she was going to. And she had to go through all that, and her mind starts thinking on that stuff, and, and all of a sudden the Lord gets her, and she starts thinking, and she goes, I'm going to be in heaven. I said, Mrs. Buffin. Now, she didn't get saved that night. Two days later, she got saved. Two weeks later, she died. You say, what was that? That was the Lord having mercy and grace on a woman. Amen. That, that people say, well, she didn't deserve it. You know why those men in Nineveh is going to stand up in judgment? It's because they didn't deserve it, and they listened, and they repented. And you aren't. And there's going to be people that stand in heaven, those that are lost. There are going to be people around them saying, well, I, and, and, and we can look at them and say, yeah, but those Ninevites, man, they were this, they were that, they were this. God said, yeah, but they got right. And you didn't. This guy, man, after he got out of that thing, he just went on living his life. You say, what was that? That was just, that's just a man that lived in a well. You say, he can't live in a well. That one did. 36 hours. Three days and three nights, I don't think Jonah was alive. I think he was dead. I think he died. I think he went. Why did you say that? Verse chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, uh, his God, out of the fish's belly. I think Jonah was somewhere between. He was in purgatory. He was in fishatory. He was somewhere. He's like, I got the Catholic in me, so you got to forgive me. But he's somewhere between hell and heaven. And it says right here, it says, Then Jonah prayed, out of the, uh, uh, prayed unto the Lord out of the fish's belly. And said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Boy, isn't that great? No matter what, what happens. You think Jonah would get that thing right? He still has some issues in life, but he still does what he's supposed to do. He says, out of the belly of, of hell cried I. It's like he's there. 
and he heard my voice. Now, so if this is a picture of Jesus Christ, that's exactly where he went. He went right down to a place called hell, and he's down there. And he's sitting here saying, For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, the floods compass about me, all thy billows and thy waves pass over me. That's Jesus Christ, by the way. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compass me, the clothes round about me, the weeds, weeds. He had, a, he had thorns were on his head. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I, I went down to the bottom of the mountains, the earth with her bars, the gates of hell was about me forever, forever, eternity. Yet thou hast brought up my life. That means that God controls eternity. Brother, I'm telling you what, until God says you're done, you're not done. I told my mom the other day, I said, Mom, at least you're vertical. She goes, vertical? What's that mean? I said, you're still breathing. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came. You know, sometimes God lets you get to a place where you have to lose everything. I mean, everything is gone. In a fish's belly, pretty much, whale's belly, you're pretty much gone. And you got to get that place where really you got to look at what really matters and what doesn't. And just about nothing in my life matters except Jesus Christ. There's things that matter and there's just things that don't. You know, when people say, well, why do you do what you do? Because it just don't really matter. I can do whatever I'm doing 100% or I can do, Brother Tom, we had to work on his car the other day. Jake came out there, man, I'm, thank God for Jake, man. It's amazing what two people can do uh, that one can't. I'm sitting there under the car, or Jake's under the car holding this thing up, I'm, and we can guide each other. Uh, he's still trying to figure out what counterclockwise and clockwise is. Or maybe I'm trying to figure out what counterclockwise and clockwise is. In any case, we eventually got it and got the nuts and bolts on. And Brother Tom's just as happy as he be. You know what we did? We sat out in the sun had a blast. Amen. You say, what was that? I don't care what you do, man. You just do it with everything you got when you do it. You're wasting time, man. You know what God's looking down and you're going to do that when you're happy? Well, that's a, ew, that's a terrible job. I don't know if I'd do that. Eh. Will you do it? And he looks down there. You know, Jonah's sitting down there in the bills, man. He's, he's, he lost everything. He's finally got to the place. Well, I guess if a fish's belly is a place where I might have to pray to God, I'll just pray to God. I ain't got nothing else to do. Where else am I going to go? You have the mouth that opens. I can't open this guy's mouth. Only you can. I like it. Peter said, the Lord says, are you going to also leave? He says, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. Well, here in this case, you got control of this will. I ain't going nowhere until you do what he's going to do. And if you don't, then I'm dead. Verse 8. Thou... They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, I, but I will sacrifice, and, uh, sacrifice thee unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. In a whale's belly, down at the bottom of the earth, the bars are around him, gone forever. I will pay, my, I will pay that thou has, I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. Jonah got it, man. He comes up out of that well, and it says right here at verse, verse 1 in the next chapter, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. All right, no, verse, uh, verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish. Isn't it amazing the fish listens? What's wrong with us? Well, go over here. Jonah's going to be on his way to Joppa, and uh, he's going to act like he's some super Christian, and he's going to tell him to throw him over the side. Like, that's going to get him away from me. <laughs> Well, as soon as you see his feet, I'm gonna, I bet you as his feet was hitting the water, man, that well was coming up and just eating him up, man. He's just, he's toast. He's gone. And then here the Lord says, and the Lord spake into the fish. While Jonah's down here, his belly aching, the Lord's doing something else. He's having the fish, the well go over to the other side of the place so he can spit him up on the shoreline. He's going to come out of there all white. He's going to look like Michael Jackson. 
all spotty and speckled and everything. I don't know why he did that, man. That looks, that looks like the craziest thing in the wide world. I've seen people do that before. It's just crazy. But that's what he looked like when he come out of there, man. He, they bleached his skin. The, the gastric juices inside that well, he was bleached. You, you imagine what he did when he walked in. Nineveh was three days' journey across. That means if you can walk 12 miles a day, you're looking at 36 miles of city. And Jonah walks in there still smelling like fish guts. Now, I don't know if you've been around a bunch of fish when they cut them all over and they, they stink, man. Fish stink. Did it ever say anything where Jonah got a bath, shower, and everything else shaved, and he's ready to go, man? Jonah's just like, well, I guess I better go do this thing. If I don't know, he's going to have another fish eat me. Probably have a dog eat me next time. And he takes off, and he starts going in. It says, and, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. It's always best to listen the first time, if you can. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. And he does. Down verse 4, it says, And Jonah began to enter the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. You know, I street preach. I like street preaching from time to time. I haven't done it for a while. I need to get back into it. But I, I tell people, they say, well, I can't remember a verse. You don't have to remember a verse. I mean, and is in the Bible. And, 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 and. I mean, all you have to do is just throw and out there. Look, if he can get 120,000 with Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown and ought to be good for one or two. I'm amazed. I'm amazed that, you know, God can take the simplest things and do great things with them. We think ourselves out of it. We shouldn't do that. He goes, for the word, look at verse 6, verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast. God did something to those people and put a sackcloth from the, uh, from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose. They've already messed with the Jews. They already know. If this guy's saying, if he looks like that, and he's coming here saying what he's saying, there must be something to this. And the Holy Spirit started putting a conviction across that people. And I mean down to the cattle. It said even to the cattle, everybody repented. I don't know how a cow repents, but man, they were repenting. And Jonah sit there and watch that thing. And then let's go back over to Luke. The situation he found himself in, he found himself in hell. He found himself separated from God, his focus from heaven. He, he, he set forth uh, his circumstances, weeds around his head, bars of hell. He was brought up from corruption. He prayed. He identified the source of salvation, and he was resurrected. You know, before those Ninevites could get redeemed or, or to turn or to repent, Somebody had to die for him. You know, when you got your Bible, you know why he chose Jonah and why he let him do it? Because Jonah was going to die, and he, he was in the heart of the earth. He was in that belly's well for three days, the, well of that, uh, the belly of that well for three days and three nights. Just like Jesus was going to be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. He said, the only, only thing I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. Go read Jonah. You should know your Bible. Jonah was sitting there, and three days and three nights, he's in the heart of the earth, and he goes, before you can get into heaven, somebody's got to die for you. More than that, they got to come back up. They can't just die. They have to come back up. Jonah did just that. The men in Nineveh, you know what they're going to do? They're gonna, he's going to bring them up one day. He's going to, hey, I was there, man. I seen the guy. I seen him come into the gate. Whoa, we followed him all the way through. He stank. He smelled like a fish. 
Oh, it was terrible. It got worse as the day went on. But he came up. I know he came out of that well. How do you know? Because there was people down there on the beach that saw that well go, down he came. Here comes this guy standing, and he stands up, and I got all this gooey stuff all over him. And, and he was there, and he scared us to death, and we all got right. And God's going to say, why didn't you? Lord Jesus Christ is going to look and said, there's a whole 120,000 of them, man. A man died, came up three days later, got up out of the thing and lived, and they believed him. He said, the queen of Sheba came up, the queen of the south. She went 13, 1,400 miles in a chariot to come and hear Solomon. Just say some words. And she went back home. He says, she's going, he goes, and somebody's greater than him is here right now. And that was him. It was Jesus Christ. Boy, could you imagine standing there and listening to Jesus Christ? Go back to Luke real quick. Luke. Luke chapter 11. I'll be done. Only a second. And the men of Nineveh, Nineveh verse 32, shall rise up in this judgment with this generation. That's these people Jesus is talking to them right now and shall condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah's and behold, a greater than Jonah's is here. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, verse 33, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. The light of the, light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thou, thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body is also full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness." You know, he just told you right there, he said, look, there's people that's going to be there and they're going to watch. They're watching. They're going to be your testimony in heaven. He could call one of us up, people around us. He said, Mike told you and told you. He was out there on the street corner that day. He got all wet. He could show me getting splashed. I can still see myself getting splashed, man. I was sitting there preaching another time, and uh, I actually wanted to be there that time, and, and cars would go down, and they had some, some cars. They were all, it was summertime, and they were all the convertibles, and they were all sitting up on the back of the seats and everything else, and and, I'm, and the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this. And I got hit with something right here, man. I, I, and I seen this puff of powder go by. I, I can't believe it was drugs. Nobody would be that stupid to throw this big thing of drugs at me. But they could have been all high on cocaine or something and threw a bag of cocaine at me. I have no idea. But the guys I was with, they all thought I was just going to fall over dead at that point. You know, they just keep on. They said it was so cool, man. You started preaching, you got hit, and you, they knew it hurt, and you just kept on going, and you just kept preaching all the way down through it, and then you turn around and start doing it again. You know what that is? God's going to bring that up one day, man, in heaven. And all those people that drove by, they're going to see that thing, and he's going to say, he preached at you, and he said, somebody's greater than him was here, and you didn't listen. I said there, me, me and Scott Flood was sitting there. We, he had his little race car, man, and, and Scott was the first guy I got saved. But he, he had his little red, I forget what it was, some little red race car. And I was in the passenger seat, and he was in the driver's seat. And, and I had some of those folded up uh, uh, $100 bills or whatever, $1,000 bills, whatever they were. They looked like money. And uh, I said, Scott, watch this, man. I said, pull over next to the curb and just drive next to the curb. And, I mean, there's all kinds of people up and down through there walking. And I, I sit there and held that thing out like this, and this guy snatched it. It's wonder he didn't take my fingers off with it. But uh, I'm sitting there looking in the mirror because I got to scoop way down like this because the mirror's right here. And I'm watching, and that guy's like, ah, 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 I got the buddy. He opens it up and says, if you die tonight, you know where you're going. Ah, he, I mean, he just threw that thing. It's a fun, I wish I had a video of that thing, man. I mean, that thing hit the ground, and he just walked on, and then he stopped. And he went back and picked that thing up and took it with him. 
And I'm sitting there going, Lord, I said, you know, in heaven, boy, these tracks, that garbage can is going to be in heaven one day. And the Lord's going to say, that tracks, old tracks, each one has got fingerprints on it. And he's going to bring those people up with the fingerprints that's on that track. And he's going to say, you had that track. Let me ask you a question. Are you in here today? You know you're saved for sure. I tell people this all the time. If you're not saved, man, you, you are going to have one bad day in heaven. I looked out there. I told him in Sunday school. Uh, I was looking at a uh, documentary on the Hubble uh, Space Telescope. It took him years and years to fix it. After they got in space, it was still broke. You're talking about a long-range fixing thing, man. It costs lots of money to go out there and fix that. But they finally got it, and they had this one little spot in space out there that was black. And they, were, they said, let's test this new camera we just put into this thing. And they turned that thing to this spot in space that's black. And they said, there ain't nothing out there, but it's, it's a hole right there. And we just want to see. And when that thing actually shot into that hole, there was millions of galaxies that they, all of a sudden just appeared out of nowhere out there that's way beyond what they ever thought. That's God. Now, Stephen Hawkins is, I feel sorry for the guy, man. He's probably burning in hell right now because he's laying there and he's sitting there going, oh, this is the greatest thing in the hard world. I'm not making fun of the man. The man was in a wheelchair. His whole life is that way. What a shame to be like that your whole life and then die and go to a place called hell. Albert Einstein said, if God's not a mathematical equation, there's no God. What a shame, a man, to know that much stuff and then die and go to a place called hell. You'll never reach those places out there now you see them. How did they get there? Don't tell me there was absolutely nothing and out of nothing, something came out of nothing and made everything. That's insane. You can't make one little teeny weeny itsy bitsy thing you can't even see. It's still something. How did that get there? And you're going to tell me that turned into this? I think my mom uses Ativan. And she loves her Ativan. She said, Ativan is my friend. My mom is a druggie. <laughs> I know. I used to be around a lot of them. She is a druggie. And if you use Ativan, I'm not mad at you. The nurse said she needs her Ativan. We're going to make sure she gets her Ativan. I'm going to make sure. I got, I got a bottle. She had a prescription. And she had it in Kentucky. And she said, Mike. I've got two prescriptions of Ativan left. I don't want to lose them. I'm like, I'm like Mom, they're, they're, they're giving you that over here. She goes, yeah, but I don't want to lose these. I said, she said, can you get them for me? I'm like, what do you think I am, your drug dealer? Son? So, so I called Walmart, and I said, hey, how can I do this legally, you know, like legally? And she goes, can you, when you got them over the house, can you slip me a couple? I'm like, no! I said, I can't bring you. That's drug dealing, man. I quit that stuff years ago. I said, Mom, what's your problem? She's laughing. She goes, no, I just don't want to lose them. She goes, Adam's my friend. You know what I'm saying? How could you spend a whole life? Einstein, some of these great minds, brilliant minds, and you look out there and they put these things in space and all of a sudden you see that stuff and, and things that you never even could see because of the light. And then they're sitting there going, and the billions and billions of years it took that light to get there. I said, no, no, no. If God created this thing in 6,000 years, which I think the universe is created in 6,000 years, not the earth. The universe. The earth was out somewhere else. He put it inside the universe. But this universe, if he created that thing in six day, in, in one day, the first day, if he did what he said he did in, Gen in Genesis chapter 1, then the light rays and everything was made at the exact same time. It didn't take no billions of years. If that thing is a billion years of light years away, which it could be, I'm not saying it's not because God can make big stuff. But if it is, that light ray was made at the same time that thing was made. Every facet of that thing. How are you going to deal with a God like that? 
If every little facet of everything that is done that you see, you look at your eyeballs and the colors you see, how did you know that it was going to, you're going to need eyes to look at colors? How did you know that? There's no possible way you had to be made. And that's God. And God says, hey, the men of Nineveh is going to be a testimony against you one day. Don't let something be a testimony against you. Let it be a testimony for you. You know what I did in 1980 on the back porch in Louisville? I gave up. <laughs> I said, I'm done, man. I'm done. I'm done. I'm just done. I said, no. I said, I need some help. I need some help bad because I'm going to come up here and you're going to be awful mad at me. And you're going to get it. And I said, and I'm going to tell you that I asked for help. And he goes, ask again. I, said, I need some help. You know what he did? He saved my soul. I asked. And I, he said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. You know what the Lord did? He never hit his light. And you know what he told me over the years? Don't hide your light. I get frustrated. I tell you, I get frustrated. I know one of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life. I already know that. You can tell people about everything in this whole wide world. But hand one of those things out is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Without, go do it sometimes. See if you ain't afraid. That's why people like to take little kids with them. Little kids are just stupid, man. <laughs> they just do whatever they're supposed to do. I can take Aiden. You're not stupid. You're a smart kid. But I can take Aiden and I say, Aiden, take this. And go give it to that guy. Would you go give it to him? He's looking at his dad. He said, yeah, well, let me ask dad first. That's a, that's a good kid. But if he's with me, and I said, hey, let's go and hand this. And nobody can refuse a kid. Here, can you take this? By the way, you got any gummy bears? That's the same kid. I'll trade you. <laughs> That'll be one of the hardest things you'll ever do. But it's the most important. You say, Why? I used, to have a, I used to have a track rack on the Mestex of the, uh, the uh, Ponce, and uh, I, I would sit there while a thousand men walked by that thing, and they would empty that track, and I would be filling it up while they were emptying it. Everybody on that ship knew what I was. The Navy SEALs knew what I was. I mean, they, they knew. They didn't hesitate. That Navy SEAL walked me off that ship that day, shook my hand, and said, Mike, you're a man. I, I thought, what? You're a Navy SEAL. You kill people. You look at them. They die. Fall over dead. My thinking what a man was was totally different than what his was. I'm thinking a man is this guy right here, you know, and he could take a gun and just bend it in half and tie a knot in it. And all. He goes, no, it's not a man. He said, you came on this ship as a Christian and you leapt as one. And you didn't let nobody on this ship, no matter what they did to you, you didn't stop. You did not let them take that away. All the way up to the CEO of that ship, and that guy got saved two years later. I didn't know that. You know, I never had no idea what the Lord was going to do. In any, I'm 65 years old now. And I can look back 43 years and I can tell you what, I didn't know any of this 43 years ago. I'm now looking back and you know what, I don't know what's going to happen in the next 10. I know what I should do is go tell somebody about Jesus Christ and tell them that Christ died for our sins just like Jonah did and was buried just like Jonah was and rose again the third day just like Jonah did. But this one can get me into heaven like Jonah can there's only one person down through history that could ever get you into heaven. That's Jesus Christ. There's only one door that was opened between me and God, and that's with Jesus Christ. He hung. I like Gary Dudigat's song, he, uh, and a door was hung at Calvary. That door, when Jesus Christ died on that cross, somewhere between the ground and heaven, a door opened up, and that was him, and, and he allowed me in. And he can allow you in, too. If you're in here today and you're not saved, you know the best thing you'd ever do is get saved. You never know when that end is coming. The Lord told those people right here, he said, these men are going to stand up in judgment against you. 
Believe me, you have run across people in life that will stand up in judgment against you. And if they do, you're not going to have an answer for what they say. How in the world could somebody say, oh, well, you were standing in front of us, but the, and the men of Ninevite, the Ninevites were sitting there, and they were wicked as they were, and you knew they were wicked as they were, and they're praising God, and you're not. How about Rahab the harlot? I need to stop. If you're near and you're lost today, you know what you need to do is get saved. Father, thank you for your blessings. Lord, you know the hearts of everybody in this room. And Lord, a lot of us should be out telling people and, and witnessing to them and helping them and doing whatever we can, Lord, to, to win souls to Christ. Help us to get over our frailties, Lord, because one of these days there are going to be uh, testimonies in heaven against us. Lord, I know at the judgment seat of Christ there's going to be a lot of people, Lord, and I may be one of them, that are in trouble because of what we didn't do when we were down here. Lord, uh, Jonah did it reluctantly. Lord, you had to force him. Lord, I pray that you don't have to force us. Lord, that you would just help us and we'd do it. And Lord, help us to get to those people that are like the Ninevites, Lord, that want to hear the word of God and they want to repent. They just don't know how to and they need a preacher. How can they hear except a preacher, Lord? Send the preachers, Lord, and we'll praise you and honor you. Lord, bless, bless the invitation and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.